Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hey, did I or did I not warn you? Didn't I say, don't do this. Do not say that I did not warn you because I did yesterday. I warned you all. I told you all to fade me because the Vikings curse is a real thing. The curse is so real that it's approaching undefeated status. You know, like sex, father time, me losing any bet that I ever make involving the Minnesota Vikings. Add it to the list at this point. Some things are undefeated. That included. I mean, I didn't think, or I don't think it was just my curse last night. In hindsight, Minnesota getting that game made too much sense. I mean, it starts with a curse. And I never believed in curses until this one. Now I do. That one's real. But it's more than just the curse. The Vikings winning that game last night made way too much sense in that NFL Week 7 made no sense. Of course the week would end with Kirk Cousins looking like a Hall of Famer in prime time. And the Vikings beating the Niners on Monday Night Football. And for a guy who's taken a lot of crap from pretty much everybody for years about not getting it done in prime time or when it matters, that was a pretty damn big-time performance by Captain Kirk in a must-win scenario for Captain Kirk. This guy put up 378 yards in the air against a defense, which is no joke. Even if that defense may not be who or what we thought they were. I mean, for instance... The hell happened to that dominant Niners defensive line? Since when does the D coordinator, in this case, Steve Wilkes, dial up an all-out blitz and get burned in a game-changing play at the end of the first half for the Niners? Since when do the Niners have to resort to sending the house to get that kind of pressure on the quarterback? Since when? Since never. At least not since Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch arrived and built that monster D-line. But that's exactly what happened. They send everybody, and of course, Kirk Cousins burn them. The head, and I talked about this yesterday during the Big Head Bet segment. This dude, say what you want about Captain Kirk. This dude is nails when opponents bring additional pass rushers. So suddenly, no. The Niners' D doesn't look so dominant. Not after dropping another one. And yes, We all have to give Captain Kirk some bleeping credit for coming through in prime time. You know, the one thing that he's never been able to do, give this guy some bleeping credit for real. Give them some credit, I mean, for real. For real. But back to that play call, Jordan Addison made a hell of a play. I mean, straight up, beast move to rip the rock. Great play by the rook. Blitz off the edge, Cousins throws and... It's taken away by Addison for the touchdown. He and Charvarius Ward fighting for the ball, and this time Addison takes it for the score. I mean, a wild play and a great play by Addison. But again, I have to ask, the hell are the Niners doing on that play? Third and six from the Minnesota 40, 17 seconds left, no more Viking timeouts. And all the Niners had to do essentially was make a tackle in play, and that half is essentially over. With all due respect to the defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, and that Niner D, 
Man, I've got no choice. I've got to go all Andrew Brown on that one. I mean, what are we even doing here? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? Seriously. It it was just not your typically buttoned up and impeccably prepared and well-coached Kyle Shanahan Niners last night. In fact, you <laughs> get right down to it, they were sloppy as hell, actually. And there's a lot of blame to go around. And that also goes for big Brock Purdy, too, who went a year and a half without losing a regular season game and now has lost two in a row. And those two games have probably been his two worst starts of his career thus far, which isn't so great. So is he showing some cracks? Eh, maybe. However, however, do not come running up in here looking to bury this dude either. He is still second in the league in passer rating. He still has 11 touchdowns to three picks, even after two INTs last night. And he was missing Debo, and he had a banged-up Christian McCaffrey, who also put one on the ground. Like I said, lots of blame to go around. CMC, in fact, said, if you want to blame anybody, blame me. After all, I was the one who put one on the ground, and it cost us the game. Got to take a good, hard look in the mirror. I know I'll do that. I made a bad mistake today that I believe cost us the game if I don't fumble that ball. And uh, so I'm going to put it on me and uh, go from there. Yeah, I'm not going to say that he's wrong, but I don't necessarily agree that that fumble single-handedly cost him the game, but it was bad. It definitely hurt. So was it the CMC fumble or that first ugly Purdy pick or the second ugly Purdy pick at the end of the game or that Addison snatch play or that missed 40-yard field goal or Frisco's inability to get any consistent pressure on Kirk Cousins? You know, as always, the answer is yes, all the above. And see, that's what's uncharacteristic for Frisco. They don't usually stack bad plays like that, which means they typically do not find themselves in that kind of come-from-behind, grinded-out situation. You know, the kind of thing that Fred Warner calls, quote, grimy games. He says they have to find a way to get better at winning, quote, grimy games. The thing right now with us is we got to find ways to win the, the grimy games, the ones that it's not looking great, you know, and find a way, you know, obviously we can win 30 to to 10, but what, what are we, who are we and what are we going to do when, when we're down and we got to come back and win a game? You know, I like the accountability. I don't like that <laughs> what they're being accountable for, but I like the accountability. He's not wrong. Like, as great as this team is, or we thought they were, they also need to be able to win games where they're not just knocking people the hell out like they did the Cowboys a few weeks back. They've got to find a way to grind out the grimy games, too. So once again, credit to Minnesota for pulling out that grimy win against a team that we all thought were the ones to beat two weeks ago. When they were 5-0, and they were on top looking down at everybody else. They were the ones to beat. Credit to Kirk Cousins, too, for shutting a lot of people up last night. Let me repeat that. Credit to Kirk Cousins for shutting a lot of people up last night. Full stop. Having said that, I wish this dude would shut up about Creed. I still can't believe this Creed revival is a real thing. I can't believe that it happened in the first place. I can't believe it's still happening. 
Like, I get that virtually everything comes back around, but not Creed. I didn't think that everything comes around again and will be in style again Creed, including Creed. But apparently it does. Not only are the Rangers going to the World Series, but the Vikings think that they have a Creed win streak going on now. You know, big to get a win, and um, and I got to say it, you know, Creed. I mean, we are, I'm getting my ankles taped pregame because I try to get them taped as late as possible, and I'm sitting there on the table, and suddenly it comes on. And Garrett Bradbury's doing some body work next to me, and he goes, forget this, I got to go with, go enjoy this with the boys. We'll, we'll keep playing. But they keep playing higher, and I'm going, Creed has a, a lot of hits. They got a good catalog. We don't have to only play higher, but they're taking us higher, so we'll take it. Dude. I mean, dude, you're a really good dude. A little cringy, but a really good dude. But that is a really horrible take. Even after a big, big night on a big stage like that, my man, I got to run you for that. That's not a good call. No. You, you don't, don't like quote. Got to say it. Creed. You don't got to say it. You don't got to listen to it. You don't have to hype it. You certainly do not have to dive any deeper into their catalog. And most of all, you do not need to ruin a great win by bringing Creed into it. They are not, quote, taking you higher. They are taking you cringer. They're taking us higher, so we'll take it. No, cringer. They're taking you cringer. They're attacking your eardrums. Bleeding from the ears is not some sort of good luck charm, my dude. Hey there, let me talk to you for a minute about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, a crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week so there is always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. And with so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every single bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Given my schedule, I absolutely love HelloFresh. I love how fresh it is. I love the options it gives me. And I know that I'm eating well and it tastes incredible. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Roam and use the code 50Roam for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use that code 50Roam and get 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is awesome. In fact, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. I mean, are you kidding me with that? Bad enough that the curse is real and I lose money every single time I bet that team. It's like a lock. I told you. I told you. You want to make money? Fade me. It doesn't matter what I do. I mean, I've tried to outthink myself. Like, I know that's the way I want to go, so I'm going to go the other way. It just doesn't matter. I lose. Thank goodness we have Paul Allen to balance out the Creed cringe. PA 
makes everything so much better. Because he's not only one of the best play-by-play people ever, he is one of the best people walking the planet ever. I don't even care that I lost my bet because, well, not if it meant that my dude P.A. got to make this epic call of the Vikings putting that game away. Beavers to the left, two right, one of them's McCaffrey. Purdy, back to pass him and he needs to sack him. He loops it over the middle, intercepted! Yes! The Vikings beat the Niners! And Cam Bynum has a two-interception night! And now a fight it unfurls on the field. And we're not over-exaggerating that. There were punches thrown. These sour-ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town. You know what? After that, I'm just going to say it. Goat. Goat. Not one of the best ever. Not one of the best people ever. Just goat. Bat. Do you hear what he just said? Quote. These sour-ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town. These sour-ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town. These sour-ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town. Goat. Man, that's why this dude is a legend around here. That's why this dude is a legend everywhere. He really did drop a sour-ass blast on the Niners. Something tells me the big head is going to be referencing this call for the rest of our lives. Anytime I bring that guy on, like that's going to jump ahead of Poulter and Wendy for the head. So PA, thanks Alvy. thanks for nothing at all. PA, try to apologize for it afterwards. Apologize for using a bad word. My man. My man. Apology not accepted. Apology for what? For being too awesome? For being a legend? Apology not accepted. So to sum up, the Niners need to stop being, quote, sour asses. These sour ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town. They got to get out of town. Get back to that body of water in Frisco. And learn how to win grimy games. Grimy games. Shouldn't be that hard. Shouldn't be that hard except that they've got the Bengals next. You know, Cincinnati coming off a bye who've won two games in a row. And not only is Cincinnati coming to Santa Clara, one Jack Savage is as well. So you have to contend with that too. The Bengals are 1-0 and with Tame. Jack Tame, in attendance. So, good luck game planning that, Kyle. Jack Timid lives in the grime. He prefers it when plans all go out the window and things all go to hell. Grimy games. When the unexpected is expected, Jack Tame is there. Jesus Christ, it's Jack Docile. Jack Docile. Grimy games. What happened to Frisco? Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef. Pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of 
Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? By Trevor Hoffman. Trevor, it has been the proverbial minute, my guy. How you living? What's going on? Good to be with you, Jim. Um, things are going great. Retirement's been fantastic. Probably should have done it earlier. Um, but uh, loving Southern California, loving San Diego, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's great. Great to hear it. So you and I can talk about any number of things, Trevor. So where to start? Let me ask you first about Bruce Bochy, because the guy's doing it again, right? He guides the Rangers to the World Series in his first season as a manager. I mean, Trevor, it's flat out amazing. Right. Since you spent so many years with him, how would you sum up what makes him such a great manager? Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously a, a topic that's really hot right now. But, uh, you know, I, I just kind of reflect back to the times that we shared the clubhouse together. And, you know, Boach does a great job of obviously in game, not flinching. He has his uh, plan of attack and how the game will go. But Really, he does a, an amazing job of watching his personnel. Um, he's a guy that knows guys' strengths. He put them puts them in situations to be successful, and he gives you the utmost confidence in your ability to go out there and get the job done. And it's it's shown in all the places he's been. Uh, first manager to take three teams to an LCS and now the World Series. So, um, really, really proud of him. Really happy for him. I mean, if you're going to come back, you might as well win it all. From what. Uh, a lot of threads are saying out there. I, I couldn't be happier for Boats, though. Yeah, no doubt. Trevor Hoffman joining us. I love that phrase that you used. You shared a clubhouse with him. I wanted to ask you about a couple of guys, Trevor, that you shared a clubhouse with as well. You know, for those listening who may not have seen it or been a part of it or experienced it, for those who don't know, what was Tony Gwynn like when he was raking in his prime? And is there any way to explain exactly what he meant to the organization and that community overall? I, th I think since his passing, I think it goes to show you how big of a man and a presence he was. He's only gotten bigger. Um, Mr. Padre, as he's referred to here in San Diego, but the consummate professional. Um, had a chance to watch him for a full year right when I got here in 93 to 94. And over that full season of you know late June to early July in 94, he hit 404. Like It was an unbelievable experience to see this guy go out. And get two hits tonight like it was no big deal off the likes of Greg Maddox and John Smoltz and Tom Glavin and all the rest of the amazing pitchers in the league. But uh, it wasn't it didn't happen by happenstance. This guy worked. He worked at the video first and foremost, the, that that whole arena breaking video down and understanding his swing, but understanding who he was going to face on a night to night basis. And he kind of knew what they were going to do before they did. And so. You know, he was great to bounce ideas off of, even from a pitcher standpoint, but uh, he's sorely missed here in San Diego. 
an icon that uh, his presence is only getting bigger. Trevor Hoffman is joining us, Hall of Famer. You know, just as Tony will always be linked to San Diego, Trevor, every time I hear Hell's Bells, even to this day, I immediately think of you. I mean, it was so electric at the Murph when that song hit, when you come out of the bullpen. How did that originally become your entrance song? And what do you remember about the crowd and how it responded to it early on? Yeah, it, it was introduced in 98, our playoff run, not till mid-season. Uh, Chip Bowers came down from the entertainment division and said, hey, Offie, you don't really come out to anything in particular. Uh, what do you think about ACDC's Hell's Bells? I said, awesome, let's give it a shot, man. I, I'm, I'm game for anything. And I think the crowd was a little taken back when they heard the first few bells played and no real song after that. And then when it started running towards the mound, after a few games using it, it just – I mean, it took off like wildfire. I, I can't imagine, uh, I couldn't imagine how big it would turn out to be and um, something larger than life to be able to be a part of it. You know, the theatrics of the ninth inning are what they are. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a, a, an amazing entrance song is then you come out and you're piping change-ups to people to try and get them out. So <laughs> I don't know if it was just kind of trying to get people off their game, whatever, but it, uh, it took a life of its own. It was a lot of fun to come out. Trevor, to. that is so great that you said that because that's where I was going next. I was going to say, it's always good to have an entrance song like that, but it's also really good to have a devastating change-up. One of the best the game has ever seen. Now, that was not always your out pitch, of course. You and I haven't talked about this in years. It wasn't always your out pitch. How did the change come to become the pitch that became such a huge reason for your success? What's the background there? Yeah, you know, it was probably a lot of mistakes on my end. Unfortunately, we were flying back from Houston after the uh, the strike went on in 94, and uh, I had a chance to enjoy Del Mar's Beach in the middle of August when the sun was out and volleyball nets were up, and I chose to play a few games and got a little overzealous and diving for balls, and the next morning I couldn't pick up my shoulder, and unfortunately – uh, the fastball went away, so I had to reinvent myself in a sense, and I was fortunate enough to have teammates that had pretty good change-ups, talk to them. It wasn't a pitch that I used regularly at the time, and I found a grip that kind of morphed into a palm ball um, through talking to teammates, one of them being Donnie Elliott, and it became a pitch that uh, I, I had no idea would become as important of a pitch as it did. I, I mean, you know, People ask you, what's, your, what's the most important pitch in baseball? And they kind of think for it, for a moment, is he going to say a fastball? Is he going to talk about his changeup? And I say a strike one. And as we see, you know, in playoff baseball, how momentum can shift from pitch to pitch, not inning to inning and that bad to bad. But, you know, getting strike one makes such a difference in how you attack the hitter. That is such a great response. That is the best pitch in baseball. Strike one. Trevor Hoffman joining us. Man, this is so much fun getting caught up, Trevor. I want to ask you about one more teammate, and we'll get on some other things and talk about the thing you're here to talk about. I want to ask you about a guy because, you know, they pay me not to play favorites. I never play favorites, except one of my all-time favorites is Ken Caminetti. I love Cammy. I loved him. I want to know, what do you remember about meeting him for the first time and how big of a presence, Trevor, he was in the clubhouse? So it's, it's a great story. The first time I had a chance to meet Cammy, um, he was a member of the Astros. And we're in the Astrodome. We're post-game. I, I need to get my lift in. I hadn't pitched in a couple of days. And I walked through their weight room door, and there's Baggy and Cammy getting their lift in. And it was kind of like, you know, the teacher walks into the, the front door, and all of a sudden the students turn and look like, who the heck's coming in the classroom? And I went, What's up, boys? Just want to get a little lift in. And they didn't say a word. They just kind of turned away and said, whatever, do your thing. But it was just a fierce competitor that I got a chance to meet in the Padre Clubhouse. 
he would do anything to get on the field. He cared about his teammate, teammates deeply, and he was passionate about the game. I, you know, another guy that is sorely missed in, in, in our presence and in the game, but he had such an impact on the people around him um, and the way he played the game, the impact he had on those people in the clubhouse and, you know, what it meant to be, you know, respected, um, show up on a daily basis. I mean, that, it's, that doesn't happen every day these days. You know, that they talk about time, you know, management and play management and things like that. You know, if he wasn't a lineup. He was, he was bothered. He didn't know what to do with himself, but uh, just a great professional and really enjoyed playing next to him. I appreciate your thoughts on him. I loved him. So as mentioned off the top, Trevor, you're appearing courtesy of Perfect Game. What exactly is Perfect Game? And then how is it different from other youth organizations? Yeah, PG is the largest platform for youth showcases and tournaments. And, uh, you know, I got involved with them the minute I retired in 2010. My agent, Rick Thurman, uh, talked to the Ford family and and gave me an opportunity to be the ambassador for the organization. And their All-American Classic game was being played in San Diego. And it kind of be a became a, a kind of a perfect fit that uh, I'd be around the top 50 kids before the next June draft and just kind of rub elbows with them, get a sense of what they're about. You know, what is the new kid looking to do? You know, how can I impart some wisdom if, if be, um, whether it be on the, you know, the regular side or pitching side and it kind of morphed into having impromptu, you know, wiffle ball games on, uh, in the, on the beach in Del Mar when these guys are in town, some of them never seen the ocean before. And so, it's, it's morphed into, you know, just a, a conglomerate that these kids clamor to be able to compete with one another. I think uh, I just got back from the Jupiter event, World Series Baseball uh, Wood Bat Classic. And you have 400 of the top travel teams in America that converge in Jupiter, Florida and compete um, for the title of the best travel team in the country. And it's amazing to see a different aspect of youth baseball. I mean, all I can remember is American Legion and you're playing the kids in your neighborhood and you know, maybe you get to the next county next to you, but to for these kids to have an understanding of what you know Tom Harrison looks like in Florida, and you having that that bat against them, and you get a true gauge of where you stand and what you need to work on, is second to none for you know these young kids that are going to be hitting the draft in you know say six seven months. You know, Trevor, really quickly, youth baseball is one of my favorite things ever. Both of our sons played baseball through high school, and it's literally one of the highlights of my life. Just watching those kids play baseball on the way up and in high school. Really quickly, every parent wants their kids to do better than them, but I would imagine your son Quinn, for instance, be pretty challenging for him as a baseball player. But how proud are you that he went to Harvard University and played baseball before he graduated a couple of years ago? Yeah, no doubt. Um, Coach Decker, Coach Start were great mentors for him. Um, was an opportunity to get a great education, but meet people that impacted his life. And he had an amazing experience his four years at Harvard. Unfortunately, cut short by COVID, but uh, really proud of his determination to get through that. And as you mentioned, as a parent, like baseball is a great thing. You, you know, you hope for the, the the sky's the limit and you get a chance to play at the highest level, but that all doesn't always happen. And you know, if you can you know, parlay a, a good high school career into being able to play in college and have those experiences and get an education, you know, plan B isn't too bad when you have that degree and you have to go into the workforce and find your way and uh, do the things you want to do in life. It, uh, it definitely sets you up a little bit. It's the best thing. He's a Hall of Famer and appearing courtesy of Perfect Game. Once again, the world's largest youth baseball and softball platform and scouting service. Trevor's so good to get caught up. Really appreciate that long-form conversation. You're the best, man. Thank you very much. Have a great day and good to talk to you, Trevor. Jim, thank you so much. Great catching up with you, bud. You too, dude. 
U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. Ronnie in Austin. Ronnie, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, Jim. Hey, Jim, just real quick. Uh, last week, I, I went on a fishing trip. A buddy picked him up 2 o'clock in the morning he immediately puts on the podcast. I've never heard it, never listened to it. He says to me, just give it five minutes. And four hours later, we finally get to the, to the beach, throw the rods out, and we get in the truck, and we continue listening to Jim Rome. You, you've covered so much in my life in, in a matter of four hours. I'm hooked. It's, it's a fantastic show. I can't believe I have not known about this, and, and my life has changed. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible, Jim. Ron, Ronnie, i got to ask you, listen, are you talking about the actual daily radio show or one of the podcasts that I do? What are we talking about here? We're talking about Jim Rome uh, podcast, or the radio show, you know, okay. where you come on yeah, yeah. for, you know, 11 o'clock. But huh. he, he has all the podcasts, and, uh, and we just went through them. We went through them, eat one by one by one by one, and uh, we just couldn't get enough. And he was just like, oh, just give it five minutes, Ron. You're going you're gonna to love it. And I'll be damned. He was right. And, Jim, I just wanted to call. You know, thanks for the vine. Beautiful show. I can't wait to get to the next show and then get to the next show after that. My guy, are you listening to all this? They don't believe you. Are you a plant? Did I see the phone call, Ronnie? You're on the air. Did not call as a plant. I find that highly uh, irresponsible for clones to think that somebody in the world who hasn't listened to Jim Rome. I mean, I'm a busy guy. I like to be outdoors. I go fishing. I go hunting. I don't always hunker down on the radio and listen to somebody talk about sports and, you know, interviews and which I, I absolutely think is awesome. But I'll tell you what, anybody out there who wants to go ahead and bump gums about me, about me not being real, about what I have said, bring it on. I don't give two rats to shits about it. <laughs> I, okay. First of all, brother, you, we can't. I, I know you're mad, bro. Unless they're going to come in and say, dude, he obviously is not mad. He's just extending the troll. We are joined right now via Zoom by Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick, great to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Dude, great to have you. Appreciate it. You look great. Good to have you. So you had a big day on Sunday's win over the Bills. You led the team in receptions and receiving yards. Given all the adversity the team had been dealing with, how good did it feel to beat a divisional rival and get a big dub, Kendrick? Yeah, shout out to the team. Everybody played great. Um, very big divisional win uh, that we needed um, just to build some momentum. 
uh, going into these next few weeks. Um, you know, just been losing the last few weeks, man, just to kind of change it around. Uh, but it feels good, man, to win the division. But just to win overall is, you know, what we work for. So shout out to the team. It was fun. Got to get some more. Kendrick Bourne joining us. All right, so I hear exactly what you're saying, right? Like one day at a time, one game at a time, one practice at a time, and there is some momentum. I understand all of that, but can a win like that possibly jumpstart an entire season? Could it maybe turn an entire season? Yeah, it definitely can. Um, you know, the season is go, goes in waves kind of in a sense. Uh, you get some teams that start hot, and you get some teams that start cold, and uh, sometimes it switches around. Then teams so all of a sudden get hot, and then some of the hot teams go cold. So um, it's just about building and who can be the best team uh, towards the end of the year. And uh, I think we're on a good way of going in the right direction now, um, learning from a lot of our mistakes in the, in the early on in the season and uh, just building off that. So it feels good. And I uh, just got to keep putting the work in every day I practice and trying to get that result we had this last weekend. We're talking to Kendrick Bourne. You know, you shouted the team out a moment ago, so I know it's all about the team. It's not about your individual numbers, but you do have 34 receptions on the season. That's only one shy of your entire total for last season. What's been the biggest difference for you individually so far this year? Um, just my preparation. Um, every game, uh, built my foundation uh, in the off season to really uh, work hard, you know, and uh, have my body be ready to endure uh, the workload Bill has been uh, putting on me. And uh, I just came prepared, you know, for, for the workload. And last year struggled um, with that and with my body. And this year just knew that I couldn't come back doing the same thing. So um, it feels good to get the result, man, of course. Um, and like I said, it does come down to my team too. You know, I, I fit in with the system and I'm just coming in prepared, doing my job. Uh, I'm getting the results. So it feels good. Hard work pays off. Sometimes hard work is just hard work, but um, the result is coming in and it feels good. So just to inspire others and, and, and show that, you know, when you put in the work, uh, the results do come. So it feels good. It's such a great point, right? Sometimes hard work is only hard work, but hard work's even better when you see the results. Kendrick Bourne's joining us. You mentioned Bill. Now you were a part, you had a big game, so you were a part of a milestone victory. Bill Belichick became just the third coach in NFL history to win 300 games. First of all, dude, how much of a trip is it to know that this dude has been coaching longer than you've been alive? It's actually phenomenal. Um, the way he just approaches it every day is just amazing. You know, the history of Bill and just to be a part of it is an honor in itself. And uh, you can just tell why he uh, wins, you know, why he has 300 wins. And it's just phenomenal. But uh, I just love the person he is, love um, the way he uh, just goes about every day and, and to be great. And it helps me as a player and it helps us all as players. And you have to have the right mindset to uh, to work with somebody like Bill and it. And when you buy in and understand how he operates, um, you know, it, it, helped, it helps my career. It helped my career so far, and I'm thankful for it. So for others, man, it's just about, you know, understanding how he operates. It's greatness. Greatness uh, is hard to come by, and it takes hard work. And uh, congrats to him, man, and, and, and great. Um, the work he's put in is paying off, man, because, you know, he spends a lot of hours, and um, he's getting a result. 300 wins is amazing. Kendrick, you just said it takes a certain mindset to be able to play for him, operate within his system. What kind of a mindset does it take to be a Patriot and to work and play for Bill Belichick? Yeah, a great question. It's it's the Patriot way, and uh, you know it's it's a it's a hard blue collared um, organization, and, and and the result speaks for itself. You know, you don't 
you don't get the result unless you put the work in. You put, you know, you put the money in the bank to withdraw the money in. And uh, that's, you know, what we preach every day. You got to put it in to get it out. And um, the result speaks for itself. And um, for myself, you know, I feel like um, I'm growing as a player personally, um, as, as an athlete, as, as a professional player, you know, in all, in all areas of my life, uh, playing for the Patriots. So um, it's just great to be a part of. And um, I, I appreciate Bill and, and my growth um, of, of being a pro and uh, just, just taking every day. Um, taking advantage of every single day. I'm getting a result as I get older. Growing with age. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm really, I'm curious about this because like you're showing up in a way that Kendrick, you're like, you're really upbeat. You are really positive. You've got kind of like this relentless mindset in the best possible way. For those who don't know, your background is you put up huge numbers at Eastern Washington on the FCS level. So you were undrafted. So do, when you hit the field now, even seven years in, do you still hit the field with a chip on your shoulder? Does that ever go away? That's a good question. So I definitely go out there knowing I'm a part, you know, I, I belong here. And I think that's the biggest thing for any athlete is going out there with confidence, knowing that you're here for a reason. And uh, I definitely play with that chip on my shoulder, uh, being an undrafted guy coming from the bottom and working my way up. And now, you know, really being out there playing, getting playing time, it, it's an honor and it's a blessing. So just going out there not taking it for granted, taking advantage of every moment, every play. Um, you know, I had a fumble in the game. You know, that was a hard moment, a scary moment for me. But just trying to just bounce back and any bad moments or good moments, just trying to live in the moment. You know, whatever happens, football is just a, a crazy game. So just going and enjoying every single moment because it doesn't last forever. And um, just just trying to make the most of it, because when I look back on it, I want it to be a good look back. Not, a, oh, man, I, I got to do this better, that better. But just making the memories great as I'm here now. Dude, mom. I'm telling you, man, you were really interesting. Really interesting in the sense that you and I could talk mindset <laughs> for the rest of the day. Like, I don't want to get too thick. I don't want to get too deep because the listeners want to know more about you and the team. But, like, how much of this game is played from the neck up? That, that's, it's everything. So I think that's, that's what happens with a lot of players. You know, the mental side of it starts to wear out. The physical is very hard, of course. But when you don't have the mental and the physical connected in a sense, it gets really rough and um, you have to be bought in. You know, when you have your mind controlling your body in a sense, um, it goes a long way. And I've grown with Bill. Bill has taught me how to, you know, be mentally tough more than how my body feels right now in, in ways. And it's helped me um, become a better player every single day. So um, once you build mental toughness and a mental capacity that can, you know, um, endure, you, you'll you go a long way in this league um, because confidence goes into it and there's a lot of things that, that are just mental. Like I talked about the fumble. I could have easily just, you know, been down on myself, but um, I appreciate Bill keeping me out there and just going out there and helping the team and being myself. Um, it goes a long way because there's certain things that happen can, can, can mess people's mentals up and, and just trying to focus on being mentally strong through any situation, good or bad. It's a great answer. Kendrick Bourne joining us. You know, you mentioned that fumble twice. I want to ask you about this because when things are not going well, right, when there's adversity, people can turn on each other. They can turn on the coaches. They can start pointing the fingers. And even though you were having a big game, when you had that fumble, that's not what happened, right? Did your guys not pick you up? Did the coaching staff not pick you up? Did Bill not pick you up by leaving you in the game? Exactly. That, and that was the big thing for me. That helped my mental uh, my teammates just being there for me, um, telling me, you know, we're going to need you. And uh, knowing, you know, the work I put in, um, it was just a crazy play. And 
I appreciate my teammates and my coaches. Bill didn't have to say anything. Him leaving me out there says a lot. You know, there there's things in the past where you ball security is job security, and you can't. You know, when I hold the ball, I have the fate of the team in my hand. And and that situation when I let it go, and on their on the minus thirty was just like a crucial moment, and I felt all the energy and all the negativity come upon me. But it's like, how do I fight this? And that's where the mental aspect of the game comes in is how strong can I be? You know, and quarterbacks deal with it. Everybody deals with it. It's just when is it going to be your game and day? But you never know, you know, when we go in the two-minute drive, maybe I was going to be the last person to score a touchdown. So how do I keep a positive attitude? Because you don't know what the last result is going to be. Mike Jacecki won the game, but you never knew if the ball could have came to me. So going out there, being mentally tough, sticking with the game, sticking with the coach's game plan, and being myself uh, is key. And so I appreciate my teammates and coaches uh, just still believing in me, man, because it could go the other way, especially how the year's going and, and, and where I let the ball give give them back. And and, and Josh Allen, it, it, it was bad, but I'm, I'm glad we won. And, and Respect, <laughs> and I, dude. What, what a great my, answer again. <laughs> ball security is job security is really something else. You mentioned your quarterback. Kenrick, so let me ask you about Mac Jones. How much did he show you in the way he played all day Sunday and then in the way he led the team down the field in that final possession to win the game? Yeah, I love Mac's poise. Um, you know, Mac loves to win. Some people, you know, talk about how he looks on the sideline or this or that, but he loves to win. He's a competitor. You know, we get frustrated as players. And that's another mental thing, too. You know, we have to fight against it. And uh, I think he's doing a good job of growing with that every day of, just fighting against the mistakes he makes because it makes you get out of your game and your element when you make a mistake. It's like, how do you fight? And I think he's doing a great job of just trying to bounce back and um, sticking to what he he knows best, what he's worked to to be. And uh, I, know, I think that two-minute drive shows what he really is. And uh, we've really been working on two-minute as a group. And uh, to do it in the game and, and, and finish uh, what was, was huge for us. So I'm proud of that guy, man, and his growth. And uh, I know he's going to be a great player. All right. So one last thought. You got another shot at Miami on Sunday. They got you in Foxborough in week two, 24-17. So what was your biggest mm-hmm. takeaway from matching up against their defense in that game? What are the big challenges they present? Uh, great defense. Um, I really respect their secondary. Um, uh, I don't know if Jalen Ramsey's is going to be back, but uh, Howard's a great player. Um, they just got a great scheme, uh, great front. So we just got to get the ball out on time, you know, execute our plays, um, pick up the blitzes that they that they call. And uh, Fangio's doing a good job with those guys over there. So um, they're having a great year, and we just got to um, come in with energy and play to win, not just come to play, but but come to win and, and show that energy we had last week. Our energy was great, so that's what we're going to need against a great team like the Dolphins. Dude, and for you, your energy is great, too. What a great conversation. Kendrick Boren joining us. He's coming off a huge game. The Pats with that big win over the Bills. They've got Miami coming up on Sunday. Kendrick, appreciate you, man, very, very much. Thanks for doing that. That was a lot of fun. Great job by you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Let's talk baseball. You know, I can't say that it's been the most thrilling MLB postseason ever, but I also can't complain when we have back-to-back Game 7s in the LCS. That does not happen very often. Even if the Rangers took all the air out of that game last night by bludgeoning the Astros in a submission by the fourth inning, ordinarily it would be amazing to see a team get blown to pieces like that at home in Game 7. 
except this Astros team is like the worst home team I've ever seen. Like, maybe not the worst home team I've ever seen, but the worst good home team I've ever seen. The worst potentially great team at home that I've ever seen. That's a damn good team. That's a World Series caliber team. How about that? How about I put it that way? So they're back in the ALCS again. That is the best bad home team I have ever seen in my life. They're that bad. How about that? They're the best bad home team ever. Why do I say that? They've lost 21 of their last 28 in H-Town, yet somehow got to the ALCS. They've lost 21 of 28, yet somehow got to the ALCS, where of course they lost all four games at home in the ALCS. It's almost like they need to be like ragged on, nagged to actually show up. It's like Astro fan should have shown up, booed their asses, jeered them, and brought trash cans to bang on and called their own guys cheaters. It sounds crazy, but it works on the road. They play their best when that's the environment. And it kind of worked for the Rangers in this series as well. Just ask Adalis Garcia, a.k.a. the most hated man in Houston, a.k.a. the most valuable player of the ALCS. He just went four straight games with a home run and knocked in 15 runs in this series alone. 15. And he saved his best for games six and seven in Houston while being mercilessly booed the entire time. Remember when I said hate is the new dopamine? Well, hate is also the cleanest burning motivational fuel ever. That's not new. But you know who really deserves credit? For guiding the Rangers to the World Series, again, two years removed from losing over 100 games. You know it's the legend, Bruce Bochy. Boach, a dude who stepped out of retirement and right back into the World Series. A dude who already knew he had something special and told me as much when he appeared on this show back in May. I tell you, Romy, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's a long season, but I thought this team would uh, be right there. I really did. I looked at the talent. Uh, and when uh, Chris Young, our general manager, went out uh, and signed a uh, starting pitching that he did, I knew that each one of those guys would give us the chance to, to win on uh, – uh, on any day they went out there. So, I uh, know I felt good about the offense. I, I said this is a team that can put up some runs and do it consistently, and uh, it's got depth to it. Boach, this dude is now 5-0 and in league championship series in his career. He's never lost one, just like he has never lost a game seven. He's the first manager ever to win a league championship series with three different franchises. Nobody has ever done that until this legend did it last night, which is why he deserved the deluge of champagne and Budweiser that he got hosed down with in the locker room after his postgame speech to the team last night. First of all, I'm going to tell you what an honor and privilege it is to manage an incredible team with so much heart and determination. Came in here against all odds. You went to Tampa. You went to Baltimore. I can't say I've ever seen heart. So thanks, and I'm going to add this. Congrats on wearing the horns in Texas and going to the World Series.
Dude, ever heard a happier room than that? You know, baseball's great because it's a game of sounds, right? Crack of the bat. The popping of champagne bottles. Have you ever heard so many bottles pop? That was actually awesome sound. What an honor and privilege it is. Man, it's an incredible team with so That's much not determination. Came in here against all odds. You went to Tampa. You went to Baltimore. I can't. That's say just everybody looking to drown the manager in cheap champagne. In Texas and going to the World Series. What an incredible manager. What an incredible team. What an incredible reaction. What an incredible opportunity to win the organization's first ever piece of metal. And they just beat their in-state rival to get there and humiliated them in their own house. Amazing. Question now is, who is Texas going to see in the World Series? That part we find out tonight. Thanks to the D-backs handling their business in Game 6 in the ultra- Hostile environment that is Philadelphia. My man, Merrill Kelly. Yo, MK, you're back in the 10-14 club after that start last night. After his last start, I had to eject him. It's a famous, famous club, the 10-14 club. Those of us born on October 14th, I didn't know that he was in the club. And then I saw the way he pitched last time out. I took him out of the club. He's back in. My man. In fact, you're a proud member. I'm proud to have you in the club. Clutch as hell. In fact, when Torrey came to get him or took the ball from him after the fifth, MK didn't like that at all. And Torrey's trying to thank him, congratulate him, and MK just left him hanging in the dugout, turned around and walked away. He was pissed. Except for one thing, fellow 10-14er, Torrey was right. Again, it worked again. Thankfully, this time, there was no stadium full of D-backs fans to boo the hell out of Tory for making the right move. I don't usually make it all about the managers. Like, for instance, how many wins a year are managers really worth? Generally, I wouldn't do that. But you can't tell the story of the Diamondbacks or the Rangers without Tory or Bochy. They're both spectacular And they both have played such an enormous part in setting the tone and establishing a winning culture in both of these clubhouses. Which is why I actually think it's possible that the Diamondbacks could run off back-to-back games in Philly and finish off an epic comeback tonight. Why do I say that? Because I don't doubt Torrey, nor his team. And Torrey made it perfectly clear before yesterday's game they did not fly all the way back out to Philly just to lose. Our team is extremely focused and centered on coming here and playing our best baseball game. And, you know, we can't look past Game 7. As I've said, anything can happen in Game 7. It's wide open. It's, it's a crapshoot. But getting there is really important. So we have that all-in mentality. Um, we didn't come cross-country to get our ass kicked. We came here to play our best baseball game, and our guys will be ready to go. Badass, man. I love that. I love that. We did not come all the way across the country to get our asses kicked. We came here to play our best baseball. We'll be ready to go. And they were. They jumped on them, man. They did. So, Philly fan, you know I love you too. But don't be climbing any light poles yet, Philly fan. Do not get caught 
prematurely housing horse crap Sandoz. This thing is not over. Put that horse crap Sando down. Put that coffee down. Horse crap Sandoz are for closers. And if the Diamondbacks come in and they rip that World Series invite, you know, the one you already RSVP'd yes for, the one you had already assumed, the one you had already celebrated, Philly fan may in fact burn their own town to the ground. You imagine the D-backs coming in and ripping those two games if that were to happen? We didn't come cross country to get our ass kicked. What if they came across country to rip their collective hearts out of their chests? Oh man, Philly fan. I don't know what's going to be more intense. Them celebrating a Game 7 win or them going Philly fan in a Game 7 loss at home. I think either way, bleep's going down. Either way, bleep is going down. And I can't wait to see either one. Hey, Tori, shout out. Way to have your boys ready. I'm not rooting. I mean, to me, that's a win-win. It's a jungle win. I love the Phillies. Huge karma on both sides. But I, I love Tori, and I love the way they showed up last night. That's not easy because Philly fan was already celebrating their trip to the World Series. And Arizona did exactly what Tori said. They came. They played their best game. Can they do it again? Game seven, who you got? How's that going to play out? Here's something we missed. This guy hit on it. I wanted to reference this. Hi, Jim. The number on Hedgie's ass is four now. The only thing I need to know right now, Hedgie, what's the number on your ass right now? What is the number on your ass right now, Hedgie? Now it's four. Good night now!